I'm uh, continuing my sermon series on Amazing Grace, and we're looking at verse 4 today. Verse 4, which goes, The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. And the way I want to kind of enter into that this morning is with our first scripture reading. It's uh, familiar words from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, a short passage, verses 28 through 30. I invite you to follow along on the screen. Paul writing says this, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading, also from the New Testament, uh, comes to us this morning from Luke's Gospel, and I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. This is another parable of Jesus in which a man invites an, an A-list of social luminaries to a party that he's throwing, and it doesn't quite work out how he planned, but maybe it's as it should be. So please join me as I read from Luke chapter 14. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. A bit ominous, but this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years back in a church that I was serving in North Carolina, we uh, planned this very special activity on a Saturday night in January called everyone's birthday party celebration. We had 12 tables set up in the fellowship hall with cakes on each of the tables representing the 12 months of the year. So if your birthday happened to fall in the month of December, there was a cake that looked like Christmas. Or if it was in July, there was a cake that had like the flag and 4th of July theme. Well, when the people would arrive at the church, they were to go to the table in whatever month their birthday fell. 
And we had decorations and gag gifts and party games planned, like who was the youngest person in the room and who was the oldest person in the room. And really, it was just supposed to be the sneaky way to get people to sit in fellowship with others that they normally do not. And all just because they shared the same birthday month as the others. And we sent out invitations to every church member with the message, we're having a birthday party. Hope y'all can come. There was just one slight problem. On the day of the party, a freak snowstorm hit our area, complete with a winter's weather advisory. And by evening, the roads were blanketed with snow and ice. In fact, things got so bad that we actually wound up canceling church the next day. Well, as you might imagine, everyone's birthday party celebration was a complete flop. There were lots of empty chairs around those 12 tables as only a smattering of people came out and braved the elements that night. If you think that's bad, can you imagine throwing a party in which nobody showed up? And I'm not just talking about your average, everyday, run-of-the-mill church gathering in the fellowship hall, but a huge banquet. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like a huge banquet, a big party. And nowhere do we see the character of Jesus more defined than at this table. You know, as Presbyterians, we tend to think of communion as this drop-dead serious affair with music that drones on and on like a funeral dirge. Janet Breitmeier's fine accompanist skills being the exception to the rule, just so we're clear. But communion, that's so quiet, you can hear a pin drop. Who would ever dream that God's kingdom would be a party, a gala extravaganza to which we are all invited? I suppose those words of Jesus might have sounded really strange to the people back then, because nobody back then thought of the kingdom of God as a party. That John the Baptist thought of God's kingdom as this great battle for the soul in which he ran around the wilderness of Judea yelling out, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. The Pharisees saw the kingdom of God as this giant courtroom in which the good would be vindicated and the bad mm, obliterated by God. What has unfortunately resulted for us today is this estrangement from God and a deep distrust for the church. According to a study on belief in God and worship attendance, researchers from Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, came up with some rather interesting statistics that show a marked decline in the role that the church plays in young people's lives. Only a third of the students consider themselves to be, quote, religious. A third identified themselves as spiritual, whatever that means, and a third of the students said they simply didn't care. Why? Why? What's the, the meaning, the reasoning behind those statistics? Well, one Christian writer said this, the church has spent so much time inculcating in us the fear of making mistakes that she has made us like ill-taught piano students. We play our songs, but we never really hear them because our main concern is not to make music, but to avoid some flub that will get us in Dutch. 
Friends, hear me. Nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus ever speak of the kingdom of heaven as some kind of an awards banquet where we must earn entrance through our own moral perfection. Instead, he offers to us a simple invitation to come and enjoy the feast of our host and to share in his joy. In Mark's Gospel, when Jesus called his disciples, it says he called them that they might be with him. This morning, you and I gather around this table so that we might be with him in communion. If you think about it, all of our theologies, all of our doctrines, all of our dogmas all boil down to one thing. God, through the cross of his son, has made possible of us being with him. So please, in preparation for coming to the table this morning, on this World Communion Sunday, Remember the cost of the spread that is before you on this table. God spared no expense. God gave us his very best. God gave up his very life for us. Now, imagine with me the scene in our story inside the home while they're waiting for those invited guests to arrive. You might imagine in your mind there are juicy steaks and, and, and fish cooking on the grill. There's a caterer inside who's putting the finishing touches on a giant Caesar salad. Champagne corks are popping all around in the background. The first century equivalent of a string quartet is warming up in the corner. Meanwhile, the servant of the host, dressed in a black tuxedo, strides through the city and he wraps his knuckles on selected doors. And then calling out in a baritone voice, he says, My master requests the honor of your presence at a feast. Come, for everything is ready now. But they ignored the invitation. And we hear their flimsy excuses. One guy has just purchased some real estate, and he needs to inspect it. Another has got himself a new set of wheels. It says he bought five yoke of oxen, and he wants to take them out for a test drive. Still another has gotten married and has <clears throat> some unnamed responsibilities. It's all the same to the party host. He has been stood up. Now, in Matthew's version of this parable, injury is added to insult as the would-be invited guests actually kill the king's messengers. What's truly scary in this story is that we can identify with these busy people, can't we? We know how it is in our lives to get so caught up in the daily routines of life that we have blinders on that we ignore the invitation to come to, of all things, a party. I think we miss the point, though, if we merely focus on the people's busyness in the parable as this great sin that kept them out of the banquet. The problem is not that their calendars are occupied. The big problem is that their minds are too preoccupied even to the point that they will not tear themselves away from business as usual to go and experience the joy of a big party. Now, how many of us can relate to this? The demands of our job, the cares of the home, the concerns of the family, our physical health, chasing after the American dream, all of these things cause us to say, well, Lord, I'd love to, but <laughs> I'm going to have to take a rain check. In Germany during World War II, many churches had their church bells melted down 
and made into weapons because the world ignored the church's call to worship God. So the warning in this parable is that there's nothing wrong with errands and appointments that keep us running from the Today Show through the Late Show, but here's the but. We need to be really, really careful that when we're running from meeting to meeting, shuttling kids, working out, making plans, meeting friends, and doing all of these things on our never-ending to-do list, we don't get to the point in our lives where we don't run our schedule, but our schedule runs us. Billy Graham once said, nothing fails so totally as success without God. There's nothing more empty in this world to be so caught up in the daily routines of life that we leave absolutely no room for God to break into it. That's the irony of the story. These people are so caught up with their personal quest for fulfillment in life that when the answer to all the problems comes knocking on their door, they're unable to recognize it because of the preoccupation they have with their own little lives. Listen again to the reasons they have for missing the party. One fellow puts real estate ahead of his own salvation. Another puts cattle ahead of the invitation. The last guy has just gotten married. He's still on his honeymoon. But on and on and on it goes for us today. Well, the host is not about to let a bunch of party poopers ruin having the feast. And so he turns to his servant and says, go out at once into the streets and alleys of the town. Bring the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. In other words, find anybody that you can and invite them to join me for this special meal. And so waves of beggars and panhandlers come shuffling up the steps as fast as they can. Blind people grope for the food on the tables. The hungry gobble up the hors d'oeuvres, some stuffing them in their pockets. And the invitation goes out to anybody who will come. Again, in Matthew's version of this story, it says both the good and the bad. As servants of our king, as servants of our master, our mission is to call all people, the good and the bad, friends and strangers, and invite them to come into this banquet. And in the church of Jesus Christ, all are invited to join us here in the feast of the king. Because you know what? In the church, there's always room for one more chair at the table. I've shared this story before, but I just love it, and it fits so well with today, so I'm going to share it again. It's a story that the Boston Globe uh, wrote about, and they carried it a couple years ago, about a most unusual wedding banquet. The couple uh, uh, planned a very extravagant wedding reception at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in downtown Boston with a bill that totaled $13,000. Now, part of the Hyatt's wedding policy was that the couple was required to leave a check for half of the amount as a down payment. Well, wouldn't you know it, several days before the wedding, the groom got cold feet. And when the jilted bride returned to the Hyatt to cancel the reception, the hotel manager was very sympathetic to her, but unfortunately, he had some very bad news for her. He said, I'm sorry, but our policy is that any cancellation of a reservation means that you only receive a 10% refund. So imagine that, $1,300 out of a total of 13000 He said, basically, you have two options, either take the 1300 or go ahead. 
and had the reception. And even though it seemed like a crazy idea, the more the bride thought about it, the more she liked the idea. Not to have a wedding reception, but a big blowout party for all of the down and outers in Boston. And so one hot June night in Boston, the Hyatt Hotel hosted a party the likes the city had never seen before. In honor of the groom, the hostess changed the menu to boneless chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Who says revenge is a dish best served cold? (laughs) Uh, Engraved invitations on fancy cardstock were sent out to all the area mission and homeless shelters. And the Boston Globe article said that warm summer night, people who were used to peeling half-gnawed pizza off of cardboard dined instead on chicken cordon bleu. Hyatt waiters in tuxedos served hors d'oeuvres to senior citizens propped up by crutches and aluminum walkers. Bag ladies, vagrants, and addicts took one night off from the hard life on the sidewalks and instead sipped on champagne ate chocolate wedding cake, and danced to big band melodies late into the night. Friends, people today are still looking for an experience of amazing grace just like that. Remember verse 4, the Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. All of us are looking for a place to come where we can experience this. And God throws open wide the invitation of a lifetime to come and be with him at his table. You know, sometimes we act as if God's the lucky one if we show up at his banquet. And somehow we have this idea that if we darken the church doors, somehow we've done God a big favor. Make no mistake about it. We are here by invitation only. Like those people in Boston, we are no more than bums at a banquet. But we are welcomed here because of the eternal grace of our heavenly host. (coughs) So please, won't you come to the table this morning because everything is now ready and there's still plenty of room. Come, come and receive amazing grace at the Lord's table. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to teach us how to party and how to truly enjoy the gifts that you've given us, the food and the drink, the laughter and the fellowship with one another. And we pray that the fellowship that which will incur in our homes today or this afternoon at the Henry Farm will bring glory to you as these heavenly hosts roll out the red carpet and welcoming guests and friends into their homes. Prepare us, O O God, now for the coming to your table, as we do pray in Christ's name. Amen.